Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We always appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. We take the name from for the program from the idea that if you want to call in and, quote, get into the crossfire, ask a Bible question, make a comment, uh, discuss the scriptures. Uh, if you differ, that's okay. Call in and prove what you have to say by the Bible. That's what this program is for. Uh, we're we're trying to follow what the scriptures say. Uh, we can make mistakes, but the scriptures are always right. First Peter three fifteen says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meeks and fear." We all should be ready to give an answer for what we believe. We need to be able to prove that with scripture. Not just what we want the truth to be or what we think it should be or what will bring in the most people, but actually what the Bible actually says. That's what we're looking for here. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are open, 877-655-6755. That's the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about a subject that was brought up quite extensively a couple and three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, both times I was talking about something else, but the subject of divorce and remarriage came up. I thought we'd talk about that. In Matthew 19, verse 9, here's what Jesus said. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. I think it's pretty clear from this passage. I mean, this might be one of those easier said than done things. Uh, A lot of people seem to have a problem uh, getting their life in line with this verse, but I don't think the verse is that hard to understand. It's basically saying that if, if if I divorce my wife, Carol, for any reason other than fornication and remarry, let's say I marry Betty, that second marriage to Betty is adultery. Now, it does imply that if my wife cheats on me, I have the right to divorce her for that. God's okay with that. I can remarry, but I can't divorce her for any other reason, any other reason. If I divorce her for, say, incompatibility, which is the the uh, most popular cause for divorce, I think, in the United States, and I remarry, say, Betty, then I'm committing adultery with Betty. Now, let me ask you this question. Here I am in a, the second marriage with Betty, and Jesus calls that adultery. If I want to repent and get forgiveness for that, what am I going to have to do? I have to terminate that marriage, won't I? I can't just say, I'm sorry, God, for this adultery and keep on with that relationship with Betty, right? I have to repent means I make up my mind I'm going to quit that sin. So I have to terminate that relationship, get out of it, seek reconciliation with Carol. Just like if two gay men were married to each other. One of the guys can't just say, I'm sorry, and continue on with that sexual relationship in the gay marriage, right? If he's really sorry, he's going to terminate and quit committing that's sin. It's the same way with an adulterous marriage or relationship. Jason from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? Um, my question is, I'm I follow along the lines with I the pastors I listen to is Paul Washer and John MacArthur and them guys. Question I have is with the with the Charismatics. Is this just a is this just basically a cult? Because of, I mean, I've been to these churches before, and I've seen them, and they've run around and talking all kinds of stuff. And I mean, nobody ever interprets it. And I'm Baptist, and my pastor basically believes that the 
the gift of tongues is basically like if I all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on me and gave me the word for to speak Spanish to the word of the gospel. And, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, that's happened we haven't seen throughout the church age at all. And if it was basically what, you know, what they say is true, we would have seen it. But there's we've never seen it. So my question is, is this even biblical? In 1 Corinthians 13, Jason, I don't think I have time to go into this in depth, but in verses 8 through 10, the Bible says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be, there be tongues, they shall cease or stop. Mm-hmm. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. If we were to study the full context of this passage, I believe, Jason, what we'd see is that the perfect here refers to the completed New Testament revelation. Because The reason I say that is because the, that's what the parts have to do with. We know in part and we prophesy in part. The thing that's in part has to do with God revealing his New Testament law in parts. So when the New Testament revelation comes in its entirety, Matthew through Revelation, all written and revealed, then, then the need for these miraculous gifts like the prophecy in tongues would stop. I believe that's what that passage is teaching, Jason. Therefore, I think that these miraculous gifts were operational in the first century, but once we got the New Testament completed, they ceased. It says they would cease sometime in the future, and I believe it's telling us when there. But I can send you something by email, Jason, which goes into more depth depth on this if you'd like me to. Oh, yeah, that'd be fine. I tell you what, I'll try to... I I know know about all this and stuff and everything, but I I mean, how do I approach... uh, charismatic friends about this because they just totally think that I'm just way out in left field on this, which Well, you're going to have to approach them with a passage like this and try to prove to them that the Bible teaches that these gifts have stopped. Let me call you after the program and then we can talk further and and I'll get your email address and send you this material so you'll have something to work with. Okay, Jason? Okay, okay. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it. And and, and by the way, not only and uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go then. Uh, what I was going to say is anybody else out in the audience that would like me to send them this material, these these charts proving from the Bible that the miraculous gifts have ceased, I'd be glad to send them that. I'd love to. Bud from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Here's my question. Um, I just heard your comment about the only biblical basis for a divorce is marital unfaithfulness, but it, it also says, and uh, also says in First Corinthians chapter seven, if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. A brother or sister is not in bondage in, this, in such cases. But here's my question to the crux of it: I've Been married to my wife uh, for 20 years. I adore this woman still. We've been separated for four years. She will not talk to me at all. She wants a divorce. And uh, nothing I can do can seem that will prevent for that. But here's where it gets a bit more tricky. She has had bipolar disorder for many, many years and schizophrenia. So it gets complicated. Uh, What's your take on that? Well, you hadn't cheated on her, right, bud? Bud? Oh, absolutely not. No. Then she, if she's thinking about divorcing you, right? 
Yes. Then you should not go along with that because what she's going to do in divorcing you would be would go against what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen nine. So you don't need to go along with that. Don't grant her that. She, it doesn't matter. And if a judge in America now, no fault divorce, you don't get a decision on that. If a party wants well, to be divorced, they're divorced. It, it doesn't work that way. So, so if she divorces you, that there's, you can't help it. Okay. So, but you, you, as long as Jesus I'm not said, one doing divorce, and as long as she's doing the divorcing, that's what you're saying. The set, that's right. You're not in sin as long as you're not divorcing her. But if she divorces okay, you, this, this. this verse says, whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. So you wouldn't want to remarry after that because she's divorcing you unscripturally. You wouldn't have a right to remarry. How about the, neither should, neither how about, which, okay, how about the, you know, the schizophrenia? Does that play into it at all? No, it doesn't give you the right to divorce her just because she has a mental instability. Now, if she cheats on you sexually, this verse says you have the right to divorce her for that. It says, whoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commit mm-hmm. adultery. So except for means this is the one and only way. Like, like Jesus said in John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, what does he mean by right. except? He means this is the one and only way. There's not going to be another way you can... Be saved, see the kingdom of God, unless you're born without being born again. So when Jesus says right. except for fornication, that means that's the one and only scriptural cause. Right. Understand, understand. So let me ask you. So if the divorce didn't go through, all that either one of us could do is just have, you know, friends of the opposite sex, but, you know, go out, eat, whatever, but just you could not get married. Well, you could not get married. I wouldn't recommend... Going out with them because that leads to, usually leads to fornication or and or marriage. Well, it's according to how strong you are in your spirit and how close you are in your walk with God. I guess it would that would what would determine that. I yeah. mean, uh, so I don't think it'd be forbidden as long as you have the willpower and the stamina not to. If your wife divorces you unscripturally, Romans seven teaches that you're still bound or obligated to her. It says, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, Romans 7, 2 and 3. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. If your wife divorces you unscripturally, then you're still bound to her, obligated to her, and she's still obligated to you. You don't have the right to date somebody else. You have the right to date. You just cannot have a sexual relationship with them. <laughs> well, you don't. You disagree on what, that. You disagree on that. Is what you're saying? If if what you mean by date is what what most people normally mean by date, then yeah, I would disagree. But if you mean by date, can I try to teach them the Bible? Then there's nothing wrong with that. But if you mean a romantic encounter, then yes, I would disagree with that. Right. But I tell you what, yeah, romantic. Yes. Right. Right. But let's let's let me call you after the program and let's see if we can't talk about this more in depth off the air, okay? Sure. Personal I situation, it. Thank okay? You so much. Okay, Thanks, thanks for so calling me. I appreciate it. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Alan from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh yes, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine, Alan. Go ahead. 
Okay. Um, I pick up my phone. Sorry, I'm in the car. Um, I specifically was in church today, um, and the message was about uh, based on a, a passage that Jesus specifically talked about: "Take your cross up and follow me daily." And so, the preacher was specifically kind of um, pushing this that in order to punch a ticket to heaven. Um, you basically need to pick your cross up daily and do these things to follow him. Um, and I've always been in the belief that your salvation is based on your belief that God, Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross and that he rose from the grave and that outside of that, there's nothing faith plus nothing is what gets uh, you in right relationship with God. Now, everything else, Yes, we should be doing that, but it has. That's why I'm really twisted about the message I heard today, and I'm a big fan of twisted scripture. I've gone through all those with you, and I'm a big. uh, I've gone through the Les Feldick series, but um, I just like your take on what I'm hearing today. If I'm reading that right, your thoughts. Hebrews five nine. I'm gonna give you a passage here. Hebrews five nine is talking about Jesus. Alan, it says. And being made perfect, he became the author, meaning the source, the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So it is not true that all you have to do is believe to be saved. You have to trust and obey, as the famous hymn says. You have to trust and obey. It says the folks that Jesus are going to, who are the folks that receive eternal salvation are those that obey him. Hebrews 5 9. You see that, Alan? Yes. Let me read you another verse. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So here's some people that, at least on the surface, it looks like they're believers, but what's keeping them from going to heaven? They have to do the will of the Father, which is in heaven. So if you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that means he's our authority. He's the Son of God. You're going to obey what he says. And so obedience is necessary to salvation, just like faith is. As a matter of fact, Alan, James 2.24 says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, I know a lot of preachers say it's by faith only. But the Bible says it's not specifically says it's not by faith only. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. What do you think about those three passages, Alan? Uh, well, I hear what you're saying, but, um, if I go back and hear what Paul talks about in the book of Romans, it's, it's in Galatians, it's your faith in the finished work of the cross that is what justifies you with God, not your works before, now, or after you become a Christian. It doesn't mean that... The thing is, I stumble. I still stumble as a Christian. But my stumbles have nothing to do with what God did on that cross for me. You know, the book of Romans doesn't teach anything like that. Here's another verse that Paul wrote. This is Paul. He's the author. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So this is talking about God taking vengeance on people with eternal, with fire, flaming fire. So in other words, it's talking about people being lost, going to H-E-L-L, and it says that you have to do two things to avoid that. You have to know God, and you have to obey the gospel. And that Paul's writing that. Paul, Paul didn't write anything in Romans that would contradict that. There's nothing in Romans that says salvation is by faith only. Somebody might have added the word. He does say salvation is by faith. Of course, that's true. But it never says your salvation is by faith only. Where we see these term, words faith only is in James 2.24 where it says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Alan, I'm going to try to go on to the next call. I'll try to call you after the program. Maybe we can talk further. Wallace from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Thank you, neighbor. I hope you'll stay with me and help me with this. I hear a lot of ministers preach that the Bible says that once we're absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. And I can't find that in the Bible, that statement. Can you tell me where I can find that, please? Yeah. That's in the Bible. Let me tell you just in a minute. Hold on. I don't it's I think I it's think, in the book of I think it's in the book of Philippians. Okay, I'm gonna look up I'm gonna use my concordance real quick and look to, try to look that up. I I've looked all over the Bible and I can't find it. Now a lot of times I think they refer in the second Corinthians first chapter. Now I'm a blind person, so I can't tell you the verse. But it says that when we're yep. in the body, we're present with the Lord, but we live yep. by faith. That's okay. it. Second Corinthians. That, the second part of that says we should want. It don't say we are. It says we should want to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. Yeah. You you're right. Second Corinthians. Yep, sec, I see what you're asking. Second Corinthians 5, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Yep, so I, I was wrong. It wasn't in Philippians. It was in... No, but it implies, it looks like to me, that implies that Paul's trying to imply that he, he's, he would rather be with the Lord, present with the Lord and absent from the body. Yes, I understand that, but to, to apply is not what the Bible says. I like to read what it says in writing. Mm -hmm. You know, like it says, uh, God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. You know, those words tell us what we've got to do. So, I mean, I'm not arguing. Don't misunderstand that. I just don't understand why they make the statement that when... We're absent from the body. We are present with the Lord, and that statement there is not in the Bible that I can find. You know, talking about what mentioning John three sixteen, Wallace, Mark sixteen sixteen, Jesus said, yes, He sir. that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Amen. Right? Amen. Yes, sir. You Appreciate your call, Wallace. A lot of people say you don't, but you do. Appreciate your call, Wallace. Thank you, neighbor. I appreciate your program. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good day. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. That's 877-655-6755. We were talking about Matthew 19.9. I want to bring up another passage, Mark 6, 17 and 18. 
Now, admittedly, this little story we have here and what John the Baptist told Herod was while the Old Testament law was still in effect. But here's what here's what that passage says. For Herod himself had laid hold upon John, talking about John the Baptist, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Though it's during Old Testament times, I think this illustrates illustrates for us what needs to be done if one finds themselves in an unscriptural marriage. Okay? And in the New Testament, unscriptural marriage would be defined by Matthew 19, 9. If you divorce your wife for any reason other than fornication and marry another, you commit adultery. And whoever marries the one that is put away commits adultery. In Mark 6, Herod and Herodias were married, but it was obviously unscriptural because John told Herod, it's not lawful for you to have her. Well, what's he implying that Herod needs to do if he wants to get right with God? He's implying that Herod needs to terminate that relationship. It's not, he didn't just say it was unlawful for you to marry her. He said it was unlawful for you to have her. You got to terminate that marriage if you want to be right with God. The same thing would be true about a marriage that violates Matthew 19, 9. If I divorce my wife, Carol, for incompatibility and marry Betty, then it would not be lawful for me to have Betty because Jesus said that marriage is adultery. Whoever puts away their wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. So that's an unlawful marriage. It wouldn't be lawful for me to have her, Betty, in that case. So I'd have to terminate that marriage just like John was demanding that Herod would do with that marriage. If it's unlawful for me to have a woman, then I need to terminate that relationship. But what we have in most churches today is is we have, I've been told, statistics say 20 to 30% of churches across America are filled with couples who are in their second or third marriage that violate Matthew 19.9. They're in unlawful marriages, adulterous marriages, yet the churches just go along with it, say it's okay, don't say anything about it. Well, they're scared of losing membership and contribution. But John the Baptist was willing to preach on the truth, preach the truth on divorce and remarriage, even though it cost him his head. Herod and Herodias got mad, and Herodias said, I want his head. They cut his head off. His head was cut off because he preached the truth on divorce and remarriage, and most preachers today won't bring it up because they're afraid they'll lose some membership. I mean, Jesus means what he says. Matthew 19, 9, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. If you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call. The number, to, the number is 877-655-6755. Well, I have a quote here from a guy named Anthony Dunavant in the Orange County, California Register. Now, I'm not claiming he's a Christian. He's a liberal as far as I know. But what he says is interesting. He said, some conservative groups believe that divorced people who marry another spouse are living in sin. Well, isn't that what we just read in Matthew 19, 9? Divorced people who marry another spouse are living in sin. They're living in adultery. He said, some conservative groups believe that. He says, however, the number of divorces in the United States has led most denominations away from that teaching. Now, notice he didn't say all these churches who used to hold to the truth, used to stand for the truth on Matthew 19, 9, that they studied the Bible really hard and found out they were wrong. And so they changed. He didn't say that. He said the number of divorces caused these churches to get away from the teaching 
the scriptural teaching of Matthew 19, 9, that people who divorce and remarry another spouse, unless that divorce is for fornication, when they marry again, they're living in sin. They're living in adultery. They need to terminate that marriage, just like John the Baptist told Herod he needed to do. The reason the churches who used to stand for the truth on that, and all of them did if you go back 100 years ago, the reason they don't stand for it anymore is because the number of divorces went up. And they evidently feel like they can't afford to teach the truth on it, stand for the truth. But we have to keep preaching the truth. We have to keep preaching the truth in Matthew 19, 9. Adulterous marriages got to be terminated just like gay marriages have to be terminated if you want to be right with God. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, whenever it's convenient for you, call or text me, 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study with me whenever it's convenient for you. Call or text me, 256-682-9753.